today okay all right so I'm Josh for uh, thank you somebody else named Josh yeah. for those of you who don't know me uh, by the way y'all are witnessing you don't know it but y'all are witnessing a very rare occurrence right now I have my shirt tucked in I don't ever tuck my shirt in unless I am forced to tuck my shirt in. And this morning my wife told me I had to tuck my shirt in. So I tucked my shirt in. It's my wife's birthday tomorrow. So y'all make sure you say happy birthday to her. Send her some flowers tomorrow. Say they're from me. Yeah. So just to kind of get this out of the way, I don't know exactly where we're headed today. So that's good. That's fun. Yes. Jay was already nervous, and now he's like, oh, no. I don't know where we're headed. You don't know where we're headed, but this I can guarantee you. We're headed somewhere, and we're going to get there together. So on the subject of my wife, my wife, so we're in this, this series about holiness, holy ones, and my wife is super, super practical. And if anybody knows me, you know that I'm not practical. I'm the kind of person, like, I walk into walls, and not like the wall, like right where the door starts, because that's under, but like the middle of a wall. I can walk into because my head is just in the clouds. And my wife is very practical and, and does a really good job of keeping me grounded. And so last week we were having this conversation. She knew I was teaching this week. And so she says to me, she wants everything to be practical. And she's like, can you make, can you make your message on holiness practical? <laughs> and then she goes... Can we do like five steps to holiness? Can we do? And I said, no, we're not doing five steps. But I'm going to do my best to try at least to make this somewhat practical. So we're going to start by reading a couple of passages. The first is from Exodus, sorry, Exodus chapter 15, verse 11. And then we're going to read a passage from Psalm 96. And kind of here's where we're, here's where I think we might be going, Jay, today. Yeah. I want us, this is kind of what I've been thinking about. Like, we, we, can, we can talk about God's holiness because all holiness originates with God. All holiness comes from God. There is no holiness apart from Him. But then there's also our holiness. And they're not really two different things because our holiness is derived from His Right? Like our holiness is really just an expression of his holiness. But there's a difference, though, between our holiness and his. And I think sometimes we can, at least speaking for myself, like we can take on an unnecessary burden because we're trying to reproduce his holiness instead of trying to live out the holiness that he has for us as humans. And our holiness as humans will never attain to his holiness as God. And so this morning, we're going to look at a couple of passages and, and, and first off, sort of lay the foundation of what His holiness is and then kind of how that translates to us. And I think it will be brief also. So my, my kids both requested that. So 
My wife wants it to be practical. My kids just want it to be over. So, <laughs> all right. So this is from Exodus chapter 15. And a little bit of context here. So this, and we actually just sang about this. This is where, you know, God is leading the Israelites through the sea. He opens the sea. He leads them out on the other side. Then the sea crashes over Pharaoh and his army. And this is actually part of a song that they sing unto the Lord. When they get on the other side, they sing a song to the Lord about his holiness. In 1511, it says, Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic or beautiful in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? And then if you have a Bible, you can flip over. You can just look at the screen to Psalm 96 and continuing with this same idea. Psalm 96, beginning in verse 1, reading through verse 9. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise His name, proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous deeds among all people. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and glory are in His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him, all the earth. Let's pause for prayer. Father God, as we come before you today, we, we recognize and we're, we've actually called out to you that we want to see you, but we also recognize that we really don't have the capacity to see you in all of your fullness. And so our real desire is to see that which you desire to reveal to us. Help us this, this morning if we, if we came in here with any sense of lack in our understanding of your awesomeness, your splendor, to understand that we are subject to a God who is right here with us, closer than our very breath, but so far beyond anything that we could ever think or comprehend. Awaken us and open our eyes to your majesty. And I pray that the, the, the sense of your beauty and the sense of your splendor and glory would actually break us and bring us to our knees so that we can receive our portion of your holiness. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So what we have in each of these passages that I just read is an attempt to convey the utter otherness of God. Unlike all of the little gods that we create for ourselves, the Lord Most High is the one who creates all things. The one who sustains all things but the one who is yet contained by nothing. And deep inside, and I think this is true just by virtue of us being created by God and created in His image, I think that we have an innate, inherent sense of God's otherness. We, we, we just automatically have that as human beings. We have this sense that 
we have these small things that we worship, but we know that our creator, that our God is so far beyond anything that we could grasp. And sometimes I think we live our lives so like in such a busy way as an attempt to avoid or forget that. Because that can be like a super scary thing to realize that you're subject to this God that not only you can't control, but you can't even understand. You can encounter, you can know, you can experience, but you can never understand, you can never comprehend. We have, a, we have deep within us a basic knowledge of God's holiness and whether we're in touch with it or not, we actually have a longing to know him in his holiness. This, again, I believe is true for all human beings. Whether you're a believer or not, whether you're on the path or off the path, somewhere deep inside, maybe buried under a bunch of other stuff, there is this longing to know God in His holiness. There is a longing for Him to be bigger than anything you've ever experienced. When we look up at the stars at night, or when we gaze upon the vastness of the ocean. Have you ever just stood on the shore, at, like on the beach, and looked at the ocean that just goes on forever? You know that sense of wonder, that sense of amazement? And there's a little bit of fear mixed in there. Or, or, or the sense that we get when we look up at a range of mountains on the horizon. There's a moment of intense wonder a moment of profound realization, whether we know it or not, in that moment, even though that can seem like a really secular thing, in that moment, we are actually experiencing the holiness of God. We're actually like viscerally, physically experiencing the holiness of God. And it's weird because we're overwhelmed but then at the same time, we're overwhelmed, but there's also a longing for more. There's also a, this like deep longing that's awakened in us, a hunger for more of that, to experience more of it. And in that moment, y'all, we, we, we're also very much aware of our own impotence in the face of that. This is just a small expression of God's holiness, of God's otherness, of God's majesty, of God's transcendence. This is the God. This is the only God. And this is the God that we come here today to worship, to encounter. As John said in his prayer, like it's kind of a, it's actually kind of a crazy thing to say, hey, we want to see you, you know? Like I want to see you, but I don't want to be blinded after. But the more that we experience the holiness of God, the more of His holiness we long for. The more humble we become, right? Because it helps us recognize, dude, you, not only do you not have the answers now, you never will. He has the answers and He has it figured out. But we have to live in subject to Him, which kind of gets into we're going to talk about what our holiness is. Our holiness really doesn't begin until we're broken in the presence of His holiness. He has to break us down to our knees. We have to be humbled before Him. 
so that we can receive what it is that he's trying to give us, the grace that he's trying to give us that allows us to partake in his holiness. Everybody good? Okay. So we started out laughing, and now I feel like it's real heavy. Okay. Maybe we'll laugh again. So God's holiness, and these two passages that we read, and there are tons more uh, throughout the Old Testament and into the New, which convey this idea of God's holiness being beautiful, being majestic, being splendid. These are all words that are used, being glorious, being awesome, being wonderful, etc., etc., etc. That's His holiness. Our holiness, y'all, will never be like that. Our holiness as human beings, as individuals, as, as people created by Him, will never be what His holiness is. Now again, I'm not, it sounds like I'm talking about two different holinesses and they're really just one. Our holiness is derived from His. But another way of saying that God is holy is to say that God is sacred. It actually kind of means the same thing. So, can, I'm going to ask this question. I don't want y'all to answer out loud unless you just have a real brilliant answer. Can we be sacred as human beings? Hmm. <laughs> How many of y'all think, yeah, we can be, it's not a trick question, by the way. How many of y'all think, yeah, we can be sacred? Okay. How many of y'all think we cannot be sacred? Okay. So it's sort of, this, this is just my answer. And again, I'm the person who said, I have no idea where I'm going. And my wife had to get me dressed this morning. So take it for what it's worth. What I think is as human beings, we become sacred by association. Which means that our, we are not the source of our sacredness. God is sacred and he's the source of his sacredness. He is the source of his own sacredness. We become sacred too, but our sacredness is a sacredness of association. In the same way as scripture, y'all, did you realize this scripture? Like this right here, if God were to withdraw his spirit, if God were to withdraw his inspiration, this is just a book. It is also sacred by association. So we as human beings, the closer that we get to God, the more we become like Him. And we become sacred by association. But even in this process, y'all, and this is kind of where it's always like gotten, gotten tied up with me because I'm a person, um, at times I feel like I've been marked by spiritual perfectionism and I've strived to have this holiness that God never intended for me, this holiness, this sacredness that only God can pull off. And y'all, guess what? When we try to pull off what only God can pull off, we end up looking bad. So our holiness will never look like His. So pressure's off. Your holiness, man, I hope nobody ever describes me, like talks about me as like, splendid or majestic or because that person will be lying <laughs> you don't have to be splendid and majestic and beautiful and transcendent and all those kinds of things that's not the intent holiness 
looks a lot different on us than it does on God. Still the same holiness, but it looks different on us than it does on God. How we doing, Jay? So, so far. <laughs> He's grading me. In fact, now this is crazy. When we seek to take on His holiness as our own, we actually end up defiling ourselves. And I had this thought of, of uh, so when God created Adam and Eve, we're going to talk about that a little more in a second. He created them exactly how He wanted them, right? Okay, but Adam and Eve are walking around the garden. They don't know the difference between right and wrong. They haven't eaten of the tree yet. They don't know the difference between good and bad. They have to go to God for all this information. And they're naked. And don't know it. They were naked, not naked. There's, <laughs> there's a difference. We won't get into that. But They were naked and didn't know it. Okay? Okay, now fast forward 10 chapters later. I think it's Genesis 11. You got the people trying to build the Tower of Babel. They're sophisticated. They're efficient. They're coming together. And if you read that story, it says that their intent was to become like God. And so if God is looking at these two different examples of humanity, one is people are walking around naked and don't even know it. The other one is people are all working together to become like God. You would think that God would like the second one above the first one. But no, God takes delight in the first one. In them, in their humility, in their ignorance, in their utter dependence upon Him, God takes delight. And God sees these people over here trying to all come together so they can become like God without depending on God. And God comes down and kicks over their project. So when we try to attain His holiness, that level we actually ironically end up defiling ourselves. Human holiness, again, always derived from divine holiness, must always have a certain dirtiness to it. Y'all give it up for dirt. So, as part of my work as a, as a prison chaplain, I have to, I get to, go around to different churches that support our ministry. And, and I was in this church recently. And y'all have probably been in a very similar church. It was so perfect. It was so clean. It had these really high ceilings and the walls were, you know, perfectly white and a real faint carpet and everything. It looked like the inside of a wedding cake. <laughs> now, I don't know what the inside of a wedding cake actually looks like, but I imagine that's what it... It was so pristine and pure and clean. Y'all got me? This church is not like that. I like the kind of little grungy colors that we got going on. I like it. And there's some coffee stains. Don't look too close. So when I'm in this church, right? And by the way, this probably says more about me than it does about the church. But I wanted to go outside and get two handfuls of dirt and just come and rub the dirt on the walls because it's just too clean. I'm like, what are we doing? Are we angels or are we people? It's too clean. It's too pure. It's too pristine. And that's not how God intended us to be. 
I, uh, I grew up in Carborough, North Carolina, and my dad's here. My dad coined this term. Whenever I, we would drag him to these restaurants, he would say, you only like to go to restaurants that are fashionably filthy. And that's kind of how Carver was. It was kind of this grungy, kind of dirty place. But we as, as human beings are supposed to have this dirtiness to us. And when we become holy, yes, God delivers us from selfishness. God delivers us from bondage to sin. But God does not deliver us from dirt. We don't get delivered from dirt. He created us as dirt. So we are, we are dirt not as a result of sin. We are dirt as a result of divine intent. That's how God wanted us. And we strive to get beyond that. We actually end up defiling ourselves. If you go back to the beginning... We started out as dirt. And as the story goes in Genesis, God essentially takes the dirt, right? This dirt that he himself created and he forms the dirt. And then he does what? He breathes into the dirt. And humanity became in that moment exactly what God intended us to be. So for us, holiness, holiness for us as humans will always be a mixture of dirt and divine inspiration. And sometimes we don't want the dirt, we just want the divine inspiration, but holiness for us always has to have that look of being a mixture of both dirt and divine inspiration. So, there's a word in Latin, humus, not hummus, humus, H-U-M-U-S. Anybody know what humus means? April, you're a master gardener. You should know what humus means. It means earth or soil or dirt. Okay, so from this word humus, from which we get, from, uh, which means earth or soil or dirt, we get the word human. So in other words, there's no getting beyond this, y'all. To be human literally means to be made from dirt. Humus, we get the word human. We also get the word humble. And the word humble literally means down in the dirt. And if we're talking about holiness, there really is no separation between humility and holiness. I think holiness is bigger than humility, but there is no holiness without humility for us as humans. We have to be down in the dirt. Now, everybody with me so far? So, y'all should know me well enough by now. There's always a moment when I'm teaching when the wheels come off. Or, better yet, when you realize there never were any wheels. This thing never had wheels on it. This is that moment. So we talked about God's holiness, pristine, pure. We talked about our holiness, which always has to be dirty. By definition, as humans, we are from the earth. Did y'all know that holiness has a smell? Here we go, Anderson. Here we go. We were doing good, and here we go. Holiness has a smell, y'all. Okay? Let me explain. 
So keeping in mind the idea of holiness being a mixture of dirt and divine inspiration. Y'all got that? Okay. So it rained yesterday. Think for a moment about the smell that the earth releases when it rains. Anybody ever smelled that? Maybe you didn't smell it yesterday, but you've smelled it before. Some say that smell is actually released before it rains. Have you ever been there? It's always like this, this like wizened old guy who's like, it smells like rain. I'm like, dude, what? I don't even see rain and you're smelling rain. But there is a, thank you, sir. Love you, brother. Appreciate it. We're talking about dirt and snot now. So there is this smell that is actually released and that smell has a name. The name is Petrichor. Okay? Petrichor. P-E-T-R-I-C-H-O-R. Petrichor. And the word Petrichor is the smell that is produced as plant life releases chemical compounds during a rain shower. Do y'all know this smell? Do y'all know? Do y'all love this smell? There is, if y'all are anything like me, and I'm hoping that you are, there is something profoundly familiar about that smell, isn't there? There is something about that smell for us as humans that feels like we're being called home. Okay? It feels like when we smell that, we, we, we can't necessarily remember another time, and we certainly can't remember the first time that we smelled it, but we know we've smelled it before. It feels so familiar. It feels so close to us. It feels like we're being called home. Almost as if we are being summoned back to our true selves. Think about a person who exemplifies holiness for you. I hope that you have at least one person in your life that you're like, man, that person really, they're not perfect. They make mistakes, but man, that person really exudes holiness. There's probably something very earthy about that person. There's probably something very like simple. There's probably something very humble, very down in the dirt about that person. What about Jesus? The very living embodiment of holiness. Don't you think Jesus loved the way it smelled after the rain? Of all of Jesus' parables, some say somewhere in the 40s, maybe 43 parables, at least 14 of his parables had to do with the earth, had to do with flowers, had to do with soil, had to do with seeds, had to do with trees, had to do with birds. He was a person, even though he came from the Father's heart, he was a person who was so grounded and so down to earth. In fact, Philippians 2 says this is the reason that God exalted him because he lowered himself to such a place. There was never anybody more down in the dirt than Jesus. And he understood that to be holy and human is to be humble. If you're still in Psalms, let's, uh, let's flip to Psalm 139. Okay, Psalm 139. 
We're just going to read two verses out of this. But I love this passage, 14 and 15. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. This I know full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Or sometimes the translations will say in the deepest parts of the earth. So not only are we made from the dirt, but this is it. This is what we're hearing here. God's not just like scraping that top level dirt. He's digging down deep in that dirt when he creates us. The deepest, richest parts of the earth where there's the most life, that's where God is digging down deep to create us as humans. So for us, holiness, y'all, again, this is good news, is not about sharing in God's radiance or His splendor or His glory. Now there may be, to an extent, there may be some splendor and glory, but as Corey was reminding me earlier, we're only reflecting His light. But our holiness is not so much about sharing in those transcendent qualities of God. Holiness for us as humans is about us sharing in His compassion. It's about us sharing in His love for people. It's about us sharing in His willingness to give of Himself. It's about us sharing in His wholeness of heart. Spencer has done such a good job of equating that, you know, that idea of holiness with wholeness. God had continues to have so much integrity. And when we become holy, this is what becomes true of us. We have integrity. We're whole people. We have a single intent. We have a single story. This is what it means for us to become holy. So, to Laura's point, how do we become holy? And actually, y'all, this is the beautiful thing of it, is that it actually really is simple. It doesn't have to be made simple. It really is simple. For us to become holy, for us to share in God's compassion, His love, His willingness to give and willingness to suffer, He has to rub off on us. And people can only rub off on you if you get close to them. That's it. He has to rub off on us. So what we need to do, really, if we feel that hunger... And that's the first step is to have that hunger that I promise is inside of you somewhere. Have that hunger for His holiness awakened within us. All we have to do is get in closer proximity to Him and let Him rub off on us. We get close to Him. And in getting close to Him, we become more like Him. And I want to say this too because I just used that word proximity. Actually... Ontologically speaking, I think we're always in proximity. We're always in close proximity to God. We can't really be far from Him. But there, and this is, if you've ever been in any kind of relationship, you know this is true. There is a difference between proximity and intimacy. You can be sitting right beside a person and you might as well be a thousand miles away. Because there's no intimacy there. 
And so what we need to do is simply humble ourselves and turn to him. And the beautiful thing about it is God longs to share his holiness with us. As we move into a time of worship and reflection, I want to leave with you three brief quotes. And I'm not really going to explain these quotes because I just want them to kind of be there and I want you to think about them and ponder them and sort of let them marinate. The first one is from a, a poet named William Blake, which is simply, we become what we behold. So if we're trying to become like God, trying to partake in his holiness, we become what we behold. The second quote is actually from uh, Eastern Orthodox liturgy. What God is by nature, we can become by grace. And lastly, this is one of my favorites from a man named Viktor Frankl. That which is to give light must endure burning. Holiness is about giving light. Holiness is about shining God's light. Getting close to God, getting purified, having some of those, those things within us that are keeping us from living a holy life, sometimes those things have to be burned off. And burning is, is not always destructive, but it's never pleasant. And so we have to know what we're getting into as we're coming into this greater proximity and deeper intimacy with him that sometimes we have to go through a burning process. But the ultimate end is to give light. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again today for your holiness. We think about uh, the beautiful day that you've given us today. I pray that we'll be able to walk outside and look at the trees, look at the sky, listen to the birds, and think about all the things that you've made and what they tell us about you. But also that everything points beyond itself to you and you are always close at hand but also so 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 far beyond can never be summed up can never be contained we thank you for that today and we thank you that even though you're transcendent you are not far off you have chosen by way of your son by way of your holy spirit to draw close to us you're right here with us in this room closer than we can imagine, bigger than we can imagine, yet closer than we can imagine. I pray that your Holy Spirit would refine us today. Help us to embrace our dirtiness. Help us to embrace our brokenness. Help us to embrace our humanness. Deliver us from anything that is not of you, Father God, but keep everything that is part of your original design. Keep anything that will increase, that will intensify, that will expedite the coming of your kingdom here on this earth, this very earth that you made us from. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, who is our healer, who is our pattern. Amen. As we prepare to sing, we also prepare to come to the table. 
And so take a few moments, wherever you are, settle your hearts with the Lord. And then when you feel his leading, you may come to the table. <laughs>